Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. See a light. It shines bright. I'm going to see my king. I am going to see my father. Welcome to Springboard, your virtual university. My name is Albert Okan, welcoming you on behalf of Team Springboard, ably led by Comfort. This is your most inspirational show and the point where the greatest minds in the world converge. Your virtual university is brought to you by the Springboard Roshu Foundation and proudly sponsored by MTN Pulse, just be the enterprise group, enterprise your advantage, UMB Bank, celebrating 50 years in banking and the Central University Ghana's premier Christian private university. Our media partners are the Multimedia Group and the Graphic Communications Group. Last week, we began a very enthralling discussion with my friend and brother, George Ander, breaking down the story of his life. And if you missed it, please go to my YouTube channel, Albert Okran, and also on my Joy Online, and find out what George shared about his life. And by the way, if you don't know George Ander, where have you been? George is the former member of parliament for Eutu Senior West and Deputy Minister of Communications. In the first episode last week, George shared about why he wrote, who he wrote for, his mission in life, childhood experience and how they helped form his values in life, being a bellboy and how it implanted punctuality into his mind, two different social events he organized with Kujuenchi and how both went and the lessons from it. George shared about moving from one place to another and the under, underpinning um, what is it? the assumptions that underpin that experience or the thinking philosophy that drives that particular approach to life and then also the fact that he invests in succession among other things today we want to find out a bit more about george and particularly his decision to move from the corporate life into the political life but i owe it to you to get a bit more into his corporate life so let's start with what you call the corporate jungle george welcome to springboard again thank you very much and um thank you to your viewers and is it listeners as well right yeah that's correct yeah so george let's let's continue from where we left off last week and the word jungle has only one connotation dog by dog it's not easy isn't that tough in the corporate world well i i, I think it depends on what you want to achieve and what you're bringing to the table um and the fact that you are you're trying to stand out f from um for use of a better expression from the crowd you 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 don't want to be like everybody else you want to be you want to make a difference you want to be you want to be noticed you want you want to be the one that is picked and given the next opportunity to to grow within that that organization and you have to work with and through people and sometimes when that is noticed um there may be an attempt to sort of bring you down i mean the the pull him down thing uh, is rife in certain organizations and you need to be able to work with and through people to be able to to stand out from from all these these challenges but i, I think the, the reason why i used jungle was that despite the fact that there are a lot of challenges there are also a lot of rich untapped opportunities that lie in the jungle and if you have the right the right network if you have the right resources you have the right determination you'll be able to tap into 
those opportunities and harness those those opportunities as well so it's not it's not just the negative side of the jungle but there's also a positive side of the jungle let me talk about the passion that characterizes your work i mean almost to a fault almost everyone who wrote about you mentioned the famous yellow beard and the fact that you were in your days at mtn you were so sold out on the brand that probably when you had springboard no one was allowed to come anywhere near the in the whole town everything had to be yellow anywhere near the vicinity and and the the reaction if there was a variance or deviation george it was almost brutal you were extremely passionate about the brand you 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 represented and and i still will not forget the day cafe said you are talking about yellow beard. Can you imagine that George actually did a yellow for the Christmas? And my children have not forgiven him until today. <laughs> that was careful. They telling me about the extent to which you went with your yellow. I mean, tell me about the passion with which you pursue your work or you 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 hold on to your brand. Tell me about that one. So, um, I, I think that those seeds were planted in me by Frank Davali. Um, I remember FCD. FCD. Uh, and I'm sure those that worked at Guinness at that time will remember we had we had a Christmas party at Guinness the first when I just I just joined Guinness and there was a cultural troupe that had been brought to entertain the staff. And I realized that Frank Gamali was just paid in one corner just watching these people and just uh, just, just looking at them. So some of us went round to go and talk to him. And the first question he asked was, "What is the KBB about this brand? About this cultural troupe? And the KBB is like the key brand benefit." So as far as Frank was concerned, even mm-hmm. even the cultural troupe that was performing at the Guinness event, they needed to display power. They needed to display goodness. They needed to display communion, and it wasn't connecting with him. So he was, in his mind, he was like, why is it that we are doing this activity? You brought in a cultural troupe, whatever songs they are singing are not connecting, whatever dance they are doing is not energetic, is not, is not, is not showing the power, is not bringing out the best in them. So, and, and he kept on asking these, these kind of questions every time that you wanted to do something. He would, he would ask you, if the money was yours, would you spend it this way? And so I picked up some of these things from FCD. And I was like, whatever we do, when the people that we are trying to touch, they leave, what, what is a wow effect? What, what are we doing that's going to wow them? What are they going to talk about this experience that this brand gave to me? And I guess that's why I, my team and I try to do things the way that, that we did. I, I'll tell you a story about about this apart from the yellow beer thing i think it was, it was a it was one of the christmas concerts and at the last minute and you know like normally so we do the rehearsals and everything so all our concerts will be scripted and i mean i would know what is going to happen from what time to what time or those of us that are part of the production would know what is going to happen and so if something is going wrong we would see and then maybe we'll communicate with each other that is that's feeling with this one and at the last minute jdb ambly said he would love to perform for free okay and you know he was involved in this takradi concert and it was at that time it had just started it was quite exciting using the masquerades and stuff like that so all of us in the team were like why not and he had offered to perform for free so unfortunately he wasn't i think he came for the rehearsal late so he did his bit then on the show itself he came did his bit and then all of a sudden he surprised us he brought these masquerades onto onto the stage and everybody was like wow it was exciting then the masqueraders apparently they had had a show in takrade the the week before or the day before and it was a competitor brand that had sponsored it was tigo that had sponsored so they had tigo written behind my goodness behind their their costumes but they came with their front, front. 
So we did it. I mean, nobody, I wasn't on stage. I was sitting in the audience. So everybody was clapping and dancing. I was excited. And then when they tend to go away? No, they tend to dance. <laughs> then I saw Tigo. I, I don't know what happened. Uh, I think I was there with Richard at that time. Richard Champo. Simultaneous, both of us without communicating with each other, we just went onto the stage and sat this in the middle of the performance. <laughs> and sometimes I sit back and I'm like, I mean, some of the things that we did, because we could have, we could maybe we could have managed it differently, but it was like so so wrong in our minds that how could we even allow Tigo? And I think the show was being carried on live on TV. It, it, it didn't even cross your no, mind. No, 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 no. It, it, it just didn't have to happen. Did you feel like a crusader? I felt like there was a brand that we were building together. And I felt like this brand had to be in a certain position. And we didn't want any, any other brand that was not close to what the brand stood for to try and ambush what we were doing. I mean, and I, I guess both Richard and I from our brewery days were quite good at ambushing ourselves. So considering what we had done to other brands, we're very, very careful not to expose ourselves to be ambushed by other brands. So, and that was a jungle mentality. Yes. Yes. So so, I mean, at the end of the day, um, JWA apologized and um, we, we made up and stuff like that. But, yeah, we, we, just, we just wanted to deliver the wow experience for the brands that we're managing. And that's why you put the words, aha moment. Aha you, moment. This is so often in our meetings. What is the aha moment? I'll, I'll tell you, where the aha moments came uh, from was, was from my functional boss at MTN, MTN Group, Santi Botha. Right. Okay? So, everything that you're doing... She was like, what is the aha about this? And then you have to think that because it's like, you're not doing this thing for it to be a generic execution. There must be something that is a wow factor. So what is the aha moment? And, and yes, that's, that's, that's where I picked that one also from, coupled with what Frank Damali kept on saying that it had to be on brand every time, everything that we had to do, every execution had to be on, on brand. Mm. Frank Damali would tell you that this ruthless focus on brand building and revenue generating. Okay, everything else is secondary. But if activity focus on building the brand build or generating revenue. And generating revenue. You know what, some of these foundations you've laid remain in the organizations you've worked in even after you've left. And sometimes I hear people talk and I say, you know what, I know where you got this from. <laughs> Yeah. Let, me, let me take one more story on the company before we go to, to, right. to with all this white politics. And let me take the story, as, as you can tell, the story as told by Kwame Sivakane at the launch of that famous battle involving water water between the, 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 the Guinness brand and the Castle Milk Stout. That story was so compelling. I found myself on the edge of my seat and seeing, and the the worst part was that Gadilai was still right in front of me. I look at you and say, hey, yes, yes, you know. Tell me about that story. Okay, so, so um, the late Bill Kwanzaa and I worked with, um, with Gadilai. So we, I'll say that we were trained by Gadilai. So I was the account director at that time, and Bill was my account manager. So we were working on the same brands, and, I mean, we, we gelled very, very well. So when I had the opportunity to go and work at Guinness, just around the time, Bill also had the opportunity to go and work at ABL. So we're friends, but we became friends that were managing competitive brands in the market. And I was winning all the battles because Guinness had a bigger marketing budget. Guinness was a, was a stronger brand. And, and so I was winning. And Frank Damale, used to tell me that in your life as a marketer, you need to make sure that you kill at least two brands. And in everything I was saying, when he was referring to killing brands, he meant your competitor brand. It wasn't about your, it wasn't about killing your brand. So um, Guinness Foreign Extra Start was doing very, very well at the time. And we're growing the brand. Uh, and there had been a lot of attempts to get um, brands to compete with Guinness Foreign Extra Stout. And um, somehow we had succeeded in protecting 
Guinness brand all the time until Castle Milk Stout came. And when Castle Milk Stout was introduced into the market, the, the proposition there was that you don't have to pay so much to enjoy the goodness. Okay, that was basically the proposition that we we're, were pushing the brand. So it's like, yeah, you still get the alcohol that you want. You get more volume that you want. The packaging was solid, so the, the quality perception was good. And it was like, you don't have to pay so much for it. It was by directly hitting Guinness. And in terms of the communication hitting Guinness, but in terms of their growth, they were taking it from lager. And the drinker's journey, okay, would normally start from lager, then from lager they'll move to stouts. So we realized that if Council Stout was taking share from lager, the future growth of Guinness was going to be affected. And so we had to, to put out a fighter brand to sort of protect the Guinness drinker, the, the, the available Guinness drinkers, those were, that were getting into the journey, the drinker's journey for Guinness. And so we developed Guinness Extra Smooth. In the blind tasting, it was solid liquid. It wasn't supposed to be for the Guinness drinker. And so we had to make sure that everything that the Guinness drinker adored was not being compromised with Guinness Foreign Extra Smooth, with, with Guinness Extra Smooth. So the volume was more, the challenge was, was, was less, it was less challenging. Um, the pricing was better than, than the Guinness pricing. Um, and so the, the, the value that a typical lager drinker would see in Extra Smooth was, was solid um, because it was, it was competing with the, with, the, with the laggers at that time. And so we started hitting Castle Start and Castle Start started declining. And so we're very, we're very happy. Then Castle Start developed this fantastic ad that basically suggested that Guinness Extra Smooth was the leftover of Guinness that was diluted. And um, at that time, there was, I guess, the beginning of some economic challenges. So um, people that you would normally see drinking a Guinness brand would now be drinking um, Castle Milk Stout and they would tell you that they're getting more volume out of it. And um, they started hitting Guinness extra smooth. We, we went, we did some work on the brand, and then it started stabilizing. But this water water advert, it affected the quality perception. It affected the value that we're putting out, out in the market. And try as much as we did, that perception was still there. And the growth had stagnated. So we decided that probably the best way to recover was to get those that had produced, the key actors of those that had produced the customers that had to come home um, and re-endorse Extra Smooth. And this was a concept that was approved all the way up to doubling, I mean, the brand owners approved the concept. And I personally knew that some of those that had been involved in the Castle Start ad were Guinness adorers. And so I didn't think it was going to be a challenge to get them to switch and come back home. And good friends of yours as well. <laughs> <laughs> Very good friend of mine. So we, we sat down, Frank Damale, myself, uh, Mrs. D, the production team, we flew in the production team. We briefed those that we had identified, including Kwame Sifaka, my good friend. And Kwame's first reaction was like, oh, this is a good idea. So I was very, very calm and I was very, very confident that I was going to give Bill the shocker of his life. Then I think the day before the production, or the day before it was supposed to go on set, Frank called me and asked him whether I had paid Kwame and his people and the rest of the cast. And I said no. Yeah, yeah, had his misgivings? No, he didn't have his misgivings, but I think that 
Because Frank will hardly ever ask you to pay before the execution. So I found it to be strange why Frank would be expecting me to pay them before. But I guess that, well, they say what, what an old man sees on the top of the tree, the child that is at the, at, on the ground. The child, the old man sees on the ground. The child what the old man sees on the ground, the child on top of the tree would not see. And in his wisdom and experience, he's like, go and go and pay them. So the check was released. I, I, met, I met up with Kwame. And Kwame was like, I should wait. When he comes on set, he will take the money. And it was supposed to be the next day, the crew had coming, everything. He had the script, everything. And I, then I started feeling a bit, a bit uncomfortable. And I was like, why take the money? He's like, well, wait, when I come on set. And I called Frank Damali. We had a three-way call with Mrs. D, Mrs. Dear, Nokodua. And Frank said, double the money. And at that time, the Guinness budget was much, much bigger than the, um, the customer start budget. So I, I knew that the financial consideration or the offer for financial consideration that we gave to Kwame was much better than what, what Guinness was doing. And, and I also knew that he was much more, he was more of a Guinness drinker than a customer start drinker at that time. That was my understanding. So Frank was like double the money. So I went to see Kwame and I was like, I've just spoken to my boss. We're going to double the money. <laughs> Kwame said to scratch his head. But he's like, he's going to make a few calls and come. So uh, about two minutes he came back. He's like, okay, but he won't take the money. Even the check, the initial check, he won't take it now. When he comes on set, I call Frank that. I'm not feeling comfortable with the way Frank does what he take the money. He said, triple it. Triple the amount. So, gave, told Kwame that we're tripling the amount of money that we're giving you for this campaign. And Kwame said, okay, cool. But he still would not take the money, so on set. So, I'm like, cool. Then, I went back to the office and sat with Frank and Frank was like, we should look at a plan B just in case something goes wrong. So we did the second script and at call time, the call time was there, I think about six o'clock in the morning, Kwame's phone was off. Uh, and it was very, very unlike Kwame for his phone to be off at that time. We waited till like seven, still his phone was off. Eight, still his phone was off. So I went to see Frank and Mrs. D. When I kick in the plan B, so we had to call the second set of actors or celebrities that we're going to use for the for the advert. But I felt very, very embarrassed um, because. Everything that we're doing on Guinness Extra Smooth, Ghana was the first market in the world that was rolling it out. So all the other markets were watching us and this was a bit of a, a dip as far as sharing our learning experience was going to be concerned. We did the advert. It didn't do as well as we expected it to do. And um, Yes, Kwame didn't do the advert. So, so as, of, as of the time that we launched, Kwame had told not, he still not told me why he didn't do the advert. But I suspected that it was a bit of a challenge for him, having endorsed one brand, to then come back and come and say that, okay, what I said to you yesterday about this brand was not all that great, but... This at, the, is the, at the book launch, he, he told you, and he said he was telling you for the first time. Yes. Why he didn't take the money? He yeah, but I suspected that that's what was a principled stand. Well, I, I, I guess I would have done. I would have done the same thing. thing. What would you have done? I guess I would have done the same thing. Okay, but for me, uh, at that time, so it was uh, well. It, it, it wasn't just about the head, but I think he could have been open to me at that time. <laughs> told, me that, told me that I wouldn't do it. 
Oh, I can't. I can't do it. A lot, so you have to think about it. Yes, but I think that the relationship that I had with him at that time, I, I would have expected him to to open up and tell me that you know George. Also, Kachiro, you told you finally at the book launch. But let me push on to something that caught for me the highest point at the book launch that day. He says, as a result of the pain of realizing that a whole global launch pioneering from Ghana had fallen flat on the face and their brand had had to be killed, we didn't talk to him for 10 years. Well, I wasn't cool with him. I mean, I would say... I'm sure I would say hello to him, but I wasn't cool. Since you were nice to his wife, you didn't talk to yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, I worked I work, I work with Barbara at, at the MTN, but the relationship between Kwame and I dipped... It did, it did for a while. How far do you carry this passion? I just, you know, like I said, it was, it was a global brand that we were building, and whatever execution that we we're doing um, had been discussed globally. So for me, I think personally, at that time, I felt like I probably didn't do my due diligence. I probably didn't pick the right person that would have worked with us from the one to the end okay um you know what i love about that story bill the fact that you told it you told the story with kwami together yeah and both admitted that for 10 years you hadn't spoken and the day you finally reconciled so so so, so tell me about that one okay so whilst i was again is i approached bill from ABL. So the, Bill out of the jungle stuff. <laughs> so Bill Bill came back to Guinness, so we became a team and we we're working. Then Bill went back to ABL. So it was like, okay, so he has come to see what you're doing and he's gone he's gone back. So Kwame not doing the execution was like a second failure or a, a poor judgment decision for me at that time. So I sat with Bill and I tried to find out from him why he went back to ABL and, and he explained he explained to me if I, when I it was when I left Guinness that Bill and I sat and he explained to me why he left and he was he told me that by you two you've left Guinness and you've gone to, to MTN. So we're cool and we're like if there's an opportunity for us to work again together we would. So when when I started working with Glow, um, I brought Bill back to work with him. So Bill was, he was in charge of the brand at that time uh, when I was the chief operating officer. And so when we launched, we're doing these radio roadshows and we had to go to to Peace FM and for Kwame to interview us. It was a, it was a, the relationship was still a bit, a bit frosty at that time and Bill was like, listen guys, stop this nonsense. And then, so we, we made up. Bill and I and Kwame, we met him, and the interview went so, so well. And like Kwame said, that night, Bill slept and he didn't wake up. So I was probably one of the first people because I was like the country manager for Glow and I was his, fr his friend. So I received a call that this had happened. And the first person I could think about was to call Kwame and that this is what happened. Because we're there just that the morning before. And the next day, the man was gone. Kwame says Bill, he believes that Bill waited for you and he, Kwame, to make up. And once you did, he was at peace with himself and he moved on. Yes. That point in the book launch brought tears to Kwame's eyes. Yeah. And everyone in the audience paused to catch their breath. Yeah, but this the lesson board your virtual university, and I'm going to pause at this point in honor of the memory of Bill Kwanza because it's just such a poignant realization. And the lesson at the time, um, George, uh, don't hold grudges, yeah, don't hold grudges now, don't, no matter what. And and you see the explanation that Kwame gave with the benefit of hindsight, I probably would have done the same thing at yeah, that time. Yeah. yeah. So you didn't understand him then, but now you understand him yeah. very, very clearly. And, yeah. he made a, and, he, and he raised money for you at your lunch. Yes, he did. <laughs> He's your good he brother did. and friend. He did. He when did. I come back from this break, we will now finally enter into the political arena and find out. So with all that background, with all that success, why trouble himself with frontline politics? This is Springboard, the University, having the time of my life.
with George and my brother and friend, unpacking in two episodes the story of his life captured in this brilliant book. And George, I tell you what, everything about this book, I love it. I love the, the, the cover, I love the title, I love, I love the determined to do more because it reflects probably my own philosophy that you always want to do more. And yours was on the wings of a conversation with your dear mom, an educationist, before she passed. When we come back from this break, let's find out with all this behind him, how did George go into politics and what was the advice that he received when he declared to go into politics. And let's find out also about that accident that almost took his life. Please don't go away. Hello. Dear valued customer. Hmm. ASMO. The entire customer service team is out for lunch. Please call back in four hours. What? Me nana be di akona mama me bad service ano. Me kokra. Ah nana. With bonds from Enterprise D, you will love the customer service experience cake. I'm available for you 24-7 on the Enterprise Advantage app, the Enterprise website, and on WhatsApp number 055-400-1924. Hello? Babs. Chat with Babs from Enterprise, your contact for insurance, pensions, funeral, and property solutions from the Enterprise Group. Dream big with us. Enterprise, your advantage. <laughs> when you can be anything, who will you become? When you can go anywhere and never feel alone, how far will you go? When you have the means to make your dreams real, when will you start? When your voice can reach every ear, who will you inspire? When your money can travel faster and further than you ever could, where will you send it? When you can tell a story in every language, which ones will you tell? When nothing can stop you and everyone's behind you, and the whole world awaits you. Don't go alone. Go with us. Everywhere you go. Aquaba, UMB, is proud to offer you the best business solutions possible. We have been excelling in serving Ghana since 1972. And our sole interest is to make your business succeed. We are committed to making you to become number one in any sphere of business or enterprise you are pursuing. With our experience in growing some of the biggest SMEs in Ghana, we can support you become the business leader in Okaishi, Suami, Abusokai, or any of the SME enclaves in Ghana with our SME solutions. Our latest SME loans allows you to take a loan backed by the value of your cash flow and inventory so you can increase your trade efficiently. Speak to our business bankers or visit any of our branches now. UMB Bank. You first. Apply now for a degree at Central University, Ghana's leading private Christian university. Admissions are open for the 2021-2022 academic year. Degrees are available on our campuses at Mutual, Christ Temple Abusokai, and Kumasi. You can also enroll in our MBA with various specializations. Scholarships are available for needy but brilliant students. Call now on 0303-318-583. You can also visit our website at central.edu.gh for more info. Welcome back to Springboard, a virtual university brought to you by the Springboard Roadshow Foundation in partnership with MTN Pulse, the enterprise group UMB Bank, and Central University with media support from the multimedia group and the graphic communications group. Just a reminder on Tuesday, pick up the graphic business open page 18 and download the story of George Ander. But even better, get this book determined to do more, the mission is possible. I think it's an unputdownable read. And what I've tried to do is to give you a few snippets into the book. I think I've gone into it more extensively than, than, than even the author would like, because I'm telling you probably much more, but you still have to buy it and read it. And if you are a young person, this is even more compelling to read it. In this second episode, George has been telling us about the corporate jungle, telling us about passion, 
and jumping onto the stage with Richard Champion. George, I can understand, but Richard tended to be quieter but very deadly when oh, it comes Richard, to protecting the brand. Richard is worse than I am. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Richard. You see, East African now, correct? Yes, right. yes, yes. And then the where he got the aha moment idea from his functional boss, Santi Botha, who always used to ask about wow moments and, and, the, and the aha moment in this. And then the fourth is about fighter brands and that great battle between Guinness and Castle Mooks Stout and how it unfolded in advert versus counter advert in the water water matter. And then the fifth one is don't hold grudges. And it was on that somber note on which we went for the break. George, with all that happening, you see Honorable Afenya Markin challenged you to come onto the front line. But an unnamed individual wrote what has probably become a thesis about the fear people have about frontline politics. I'm going to take time and as Honorable Kujo Pankrumah did on the day, read what the person said to you and ask you why after all this you still went into politics. George underwrites that as Deputy Minister, my primary duty was to serve the country, make sure that I supported my boss succeed. And I believe that to a large extent, I did that with all my might. When I decided to participate in active politics, someone who thought I was making a bad decision sent me what he called the 10 reasons why politics was not good for me. Someone who thought you were making a bad decision yeah. sent you these 10. To him, the things associated with active politics do not conform to my personality and my principles. Hence, I should stay away from them. And I tell you what, it's almost like what everyone in corporate life in ministry, in any field of endeavor, who wants to go into politics gets told. What your person, friend, or advisor, however, did was catalog them in 10 deadly sins. One, nobody has your interests. Two, everyone is chasing their own interests. Three, dealing with politicians like sleeping with tigers. You must have your eyes wide open. I was wondering what the person was thinking when he wrote that. Four, in any political equation, there's always someone being used. And if you can't find one, then it's you. Five, serving politicians is like a bandage on a wound. Once the wound is healed, your own usefulness ends. Politicians don't recognize and reward value. They recognize their own needs and you are only as useful as the lifespan of their need for you. Number six, in politics, never will more than the bereaved they will get the reward while you inherit their enemies. Number seven, in politics, in any event, if other interests conflict with your interests and you have to choose, always choose yours. Eight, never cross oceans for politicians. You will drown and the best they will do is give a benevolent speech at your funeral, lie to your widow and children and eat their food. Politicians will never cross the streets for their foot soldiers. Nine, Above all, family and health are things you should never use to attack a man. Politics is never that serious. That one I learned from Vincent, as I said. He said politics, he said you take them too seriously. And that is not serious. It's just all a game. I, I, I was shocked. And he said it with such calm, a calm demeanor. And the tenth is that, lastly, to all the youth, it's too risky to sacrifice your career, health, personal character, social capital, and integrity in pursuit of short-term and temporary rewards offered by politicians, unless, of course, you are the one in control and have a long-term game plan. Since you made me read the paragraph before, let me read the paragraph after. As much as I understood the sentiments he raises in the above pointers, the question I asked myself was, if not me, then who? Let's start from there, George. If not me, then who? What was your driver? Was it a pull factor or a push factor? So, uh, like I said before, um, Honorable Afenyo Marking, anytime there was a statement or an action by Occupy Ghana, we would talk about it and he would keep on asking me, why do you want to be on the fence and challenge or criticize? And you should be part of those that are fighting for the change that we all we all wanted to see and i these 10 deadly sins 
I guess anybody can identify with, and it probably would not be just about, it just, it will probably not be just within the vocation of, of, of politics to some extent. Some of them will play even, even in corporate, but it's a bit more pronounced in, in the vocation of, of, of politics. And if, if you are not part of those that are going to change the game and be a testimony for people to see the positive sides of hard work, humility, and honesty, and you're going to be running away, then that is not about determined to do more. If, if, if you believe in being determined to do more, then there should be times that you should be able to go out of your comfort zone and still do more within the parameters that that you have. So, you got the chance to serve your people as as member of parliament. How big? I, I I read in the book the antecedents where you talk very proudly about the history of your family and senior Breku and senior constituency and how much it means to your whole family. How big was it for you to be the chosen member of parliament for your area? This was a big honor. And um, one of the exciting things for me was when I had to take a back seat from Occupy, Occupy Ghana at that time, um, because Occupy Ghana was supposed to be a political organization, but nonpartisan. And of course, once I was showing my head that I was going to run in a partisan way, I had to take a back seat. From He's right about their total shock and disappointment, but at the same time, they are, they are what, what, encouragement that when you go, be different. Yes. So that was, I guess, a little of an encouragement for me. Yes. Um, but knowing that your peers had the stake waiting to hit you whenever they thought that bad you, were, you were off. I mean, so there were, there were times that I had to fiercely defend things that we were doing at that time. Even the Occupy Ghana itself didn't agree. And How different is being in public life from being in corporate life? I read something in your book that you said, when you are in, in public office, I mean, in your corporate life, you talk about being no-nonsense and you can't handle too as slow. But when you went into public life, you learned to move a bit more slowly and take people with you. Do you find that public life will change you? Um, I, I guess if you, take, if you take the principles of the three H's, talking about hard work, honesty, and humility, the, the draw for honesty and the draw for humility are, are deeper or are stronger with public life. Mm. Reason being that when you're working on a corporate brand or when you're working in corporate, there's a clear goal that everybody is looking at. And you're supposed to be working with the best performers on the team. In the political field, that doesn't necessarily apply. I mean, if you're lucky to have the best performers on the team, so be it, happy days. But the best performer on the team has one vote. The slowest performer on the team has one vote. The best performer on the team has a family. He has friends. The slow performer on the team has family. He has friends or she has friends. And so you, you need to try and engage with each of them and still bring out the best, the best in them. And I guess in corporate, the expectations of your team are more towards how, the, how do we deliver this corporate goal. Whereas in the vocation of politics, so when the goal is delivered, what's in it for me? Excellent. Okay. Let me come to the cost of serving because many times we get to talk about public service almost like a walk in the park or like um, a gravy train, good for everybody. But you almost lost your life in the course of your work. Let's talk about that accident that almost took your life. 
So you, you went to the constituency, coming back. And I'm, I'm asking about this because just after that, I'm going to ask you about an accident that took a life of a mutual friend of ours. And it's also in the book. But let's start with your own accident that almost took your life. Okay. So um, there was an invitation to attend a constituency executive meeting. And as a member of parliament, um, I was a member of the constituency executive committee. So we left home in the morning. <coughs> and there was a lot of traffic on the Kaswa Road. So one of the members of my team, um, Kojiopi, who was sitting beside me in the car, said we should use the, the bypass, the dirt road. And we all agreed. And it was a Saturday morning. I think I'd had a very heavy week. So I had reclined my seat. I mean, everybody was in seatbelt. My security detail, Bright, was in front. The driver was driving. Kujope and I were at the back. And there was a, some swerving. And all of a sudden, I felt a big bang. And that was it. The next moment, I realized I was in the back of an abubuya. Um, and my head was on Bright's lap. And I could feel some very severe pain in my leg. And I asked Bright what was going on. And he's like, we're involved in an accident. So I was in and out of consciousness at that time. Um, and whenever I began consciousness, in fact, for me, it was like I, was, I would sleep or I, I, I mean, like I would just lose control of what was happening. Then I'll get back, get some energy. So I took my phone at that time and tried to call. And the sun was shining right so you could even see the contacts of my phone so i told bright to make a few calls and i think the the dc then at that time also made a few calls so um they got in touch with my wife they got in touch with kobe um kobe called kojo point krumah and i think that at that time there was a cabinet retreat so kojo informed the president and um they arranged for me to be airlifted because i was saying this i was sent to saint gregory for first aid and Operating my situation was deteriorating, I was losing blood, going in and out of consciousness. So, yes, I was airlifted to, um, to 37. But let me, let, me, let me give it something that I didn't put in the book. <laughs> so, while I was at St. Gregory, um, Kobe and my cousin, Mr. T, and Santi, my brother-in-law, Jingo and Co, came, came around. And per Kobe's narration, Mr. T, who's supposed to be a strong person in the family, I mean, he's, he's, he's a backbone. He makes everything happening. He's a strong person. Gerard Oseb, watch it. Uh, Kobe said he, went, he was looking for Mr. T. He couldn't find him. Apparently, Mr. T had gone to some corner in the hospital and he was crying. So, Kobe, everybody thought that, listen, I will not be able to, to make it. So, Kobe told Mr. T that they should come around me. And at that time, I'd come out of consciousness. So, and I was looking for my phone. And I, I think I saw Santi holding my phone at that time. So when Mr. T came around, I beckoned him to come close. And I, asked, I told him that Santi has my phone, so he should collect the phone from. I'm sure you said, and you're correct. From Santi. <laughs> then all of a sudden, Mr. T got some energy. <laughs> so he said that. He, he felt like I had gone. But when I gave him that, when I gave him that order, he knew that my mind was sharp. <laughs> so anyway, he, he executed that perfectly. He, he managed to get a food from Santi and he kept, he kept the food for me. Um, we got to 37. Um, Uncle Kwame tells my godfather, came there. The doctors were good. Did all the tests and then took me into surgery that night and I was in, in intensive care for I think a day and then they brought me back to to the ward um, Dr. Japon, Dr. Kolo, um, Dr. Hubert Smith, I mean the whole medical team that attended to me first thanks so much um, I remember Archbishop Palmer Bakul also came to see me that day 
Um, you talked about in the book about having having malaria, a very intense malaria in your childhood, going unconscious for ten days, and Archbishop Palabaco praying for you and and you regaining yeah. consciousness. You have a close bond with him. Yes. So um, apart from he being a very good family friend, um, from my maternal side. Um, I was also one of his mass servers when he was chaplain at Achimoto School. And after my A-levels, I, I fell ill. And I, I, was, I fell into a state of unconsciousness. I think it was for about four or five days. Mm. And the day that, or the moment that I came out of consciousness, out of unconsciousness, um, Archbishop Palmer had come to come and pray for me. So whilst he was there and my family was there, I regained consciousness. So That's a beautiful one the spot. Whether it's a miracle, whatever it is. Yeah, grateful to God. I'm grateful to God. And at that time, I knew that my mission wasn't accomplished yet. Before we sign off, let me ask about George Ampuma, very close friend of both of us, the late George Ampuma, Pozu. Um, Pozu's death was the, one of the only times in my life where I cried like a baby. I, I literally cried, and I've never ever done that before. But George was such a close friend of mine, and apparently a close friend of yours. We talked about the fact that George and Co. pondered you in KNUST, and then after that, he bought you, he bought you friend. And <laughs> that's almost, yeah. almost typical for you. But you shared a close bond with him and eventually employed him as part of your team at SSB. Take a minute to talk about George before you go. Okay, so I'll, I'll talk about George, but before then, let me talk about the role of mentors in shaping my career. I've talked about um, Kwame Nabatels, who um, I always refer to him as my political godfather. Um, in my career as a marketer, there are certain individuals that I cannot go without mentioning them. I've spoken about uh, Mrs. Dean Okodria. Of course, Gedilai, um, Mr. Tobo, Mr. Tobo Mensah is one of the, the key people that helped me in executing visibility presence for almost every brand that I work with. And these people were, were people that took me not just as somebody that worked with them, but they were also always there for me to, for them to advise me and for us to, to succeed mutually. And most of the time had some very tough conversations with me that will let you see things from a different perspective. So to my coaches, my mentors, I say a big thank you to them. Posu of blessed memory, um, I, I I don't know what to say, but I don't want this book to be a sorrowful book. Um, in as much as I refer to people like Posu, Bill Kwanza, um, Kofia Mufa, there are people that have touched me in many ways that unfortunately are not, are not here. But Posu's son was, was different. He, when I was in first year, he was in final year. And he didn't have to take me as a friend. He was one of those that came into our room at midnight and then gave us some very serious bonding um, that we never would forget for the rest of our lives. The bonding that made Okokwis run away from, from KNUST. <laughs> it, it, it the second one was too much for him. I, I can imagine so that. He got, he got one in Republic Hall with us. And the second one was in Queens. Then the next day, Queens, they gave it to him. He, he so, read a book. So, so Posu was among those that pondered us. I mean, Posu Tawa, um, the late Zostone, Alums, um, and all those. Um, Cyril Chinri, he was the chief ponder at that time. Cyril of uh, GTP. Yes. Okay, I'll, I'll give him a call. <laughs> Cyril Chinri was one of those that pondered us at that time. He was the chief ponder at that time. But that said, so the next morning or the next afternoon, um, when I was in the hall, I saw Posu coming. And so I wanted to dodge. Then he beckoned that I should come. He's like, let's go and eat. And, and he had put the fear of the Lord into me, so I had to obey. Went. 
he ordered and he said I should order. And I didn't have enough money on me, so I just took one piece of meat. He says, no, I should take, I should take more. And I said, I don't have enough money on me. And he said, don't worry, it's on me. Supposed to became more than a friend. Um, he liked music. And we realized that. He like he like not just reggae. He was he was good at music. He liked football. Um, he liked current affairs. And fortunately, we both had a passion for dogs. And so we connected on so many on so many levels. And he was a great guy. He was a great friend. Um, the day that he was involved in that fatal accident, he, he was coming from Cape Coast. And that day there was a football match and he was coming to my place to come and watch the game because that's what we were doing. And I received a call that the unfortunate that happened. I, I had to drive to the hospital to go and receive his, his body. And may his soul rest in peace. perfect peace. And that is just celebrating somebody who has impacted both of us. George, that's a sign off. Look into the camera and talk to your constituency. Because now that you do, I want to believe that you, your determination to do more includes investing in the lives of the people that you were honored to serve. And you look forward to serving them again? Um, well, so to those from Ewood Senior West, my do more partners in Ewood Senior West, um, I believe that you gave me the opportunity to serve you. Um, I believe that there's more that together we can do for a Wootisnia West. And I'm looking forward to us doing more together for a Wootisnia West. We haven't reached that potential with a Wootisnia West and we'll do everything possible to reach that potential. Thank you and God bless you. And on that beautiful note, I want to say a big thank you to you, George Ander, for spending two weeks with us here on the virtual university. The only person who has done that in this way is Ejakodimo. I mean, Ejakodimo is Ejakodimo. But he's told a beautiful story over two episodes, and there's still so much more that I would like our viewers and listeners to find out. And they can find that in this book, Determined to Do More. Just go to our friends at Book Nook, Nana Damwa, and, and, and Co. Go to their website, booknook.com and then just order this book and have it delivered to you in any part of the world where you are. Go to any the airport shell shop. It's available at airport shell. It's available at Citrus Books in East Legon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's available at the Legon Bookshop, um, Balm Library, um, run by Kingdom Books. Right. Um, I think this week we would seal with EPP. And, uh, just Google and, and you will find wherever you go, you will find this book there. And my personal recommendation, this is a story very well told and it would enrich your life and your professional development. Thank you once again, George, for coming. Thanks, Albert and Colfort. And thanks to your wonderful audience for having me here. I've enjoyed being here. Right. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Too. So on behalf of Team Springboard, Ably Led by Comfort, my name is Albert Okran. Thanking you all on behalf of MTN Pulse, the Enterprise Group, UMB Bank, Central University, the Graphic Communications Group, and of course our big partners, the Multimedia Group, for joining us once again in the engine room. So we come away again next week. My name is Albert saying God bless you, God bless you, and God bless you.
Day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you Investing involves risk. A 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC. 